Hello, and welcome back to the Kevin and Cassie Show. I'm your host, Cassie, along with my dad here, Kevin. Macho man, Randy Savage. No, just kidding. It's just me. Just kidding, in case you couldn't tell. Welcome back to another week of our podcast. Today's podcast is going to feature me, Cassie. It's going to be a bit of a deep dive about who I am, you know, kind of my backstory, and just kind of get to know me a little bit more. Um, But before we do that, we're going to recap the last week or so of our lives and then some exciting updates about our running company, and then we'll, you know, jump back into me. So to kind of kick things off, over the last week, we had something called the Crails Running Mile Challenge, where we encouraged all of our runners and our tribe members to raise $1 for every mile that they ran um, over the course of a week. And Dad, how did it go? Well, thanks. And um, just to back up, this was Cassie's idea. She was inspired by seeing something, I think, on Twitter or Instagram or something about a man who ran a marathon in his house or his backyard, and he ran money for charity. Well, okay, kind of. It was a teacher in Maryland that had run for 24 hours straight. I was close. Not really. Actually, as a quick tangent, did you see that this guy ran a marathon on his roof deck? Who the hell would do that? Well, okay, and the annoying thing about it, it at first it was like, oh, like, you know, whatever, cool, and you thought, oh, he put in all the training and he was just going to do it, but really, his point was, oh, you can run anywhere. On your roof? Yeah, which is, like, honestly the worst part, but, okay. Was smoking weed or something, you know. Was <laughs> Always the weed. Right. But, yeah, so we had seen this, I had seen this on Facebook, and I, I knew that our company could do something. I didn't think, you know, 24 hours, people have kids, whatever, but I knew to some extent you know, we have a platform and it could be used for the good. So it went well. We did, like you said, we challenged our members to donate a dollar for every mile they run um, from starting on a Sunday to the following Sunday. And then to give to Family Promise, which is an organization, a nonprofit organization that helps homeless and families that are struggling um, with homelessness. And it's across the country, which was one caveat I wanted because we have tribe members located up and down the East Coast. From Connecticut to Georgia, South Carolina, New York, etc., and we wanted the rallying point. Um, and they really did. They took off and went extremely well. People were texting all the time. That's another dollar I just raised. Yeah, that kind of thing. Um, and then, as a company, as part of the challenge, we said, "Hey, we'll match donations up to five hundred dollars." You know, total there. So I had a little slogan going: five hundred miles to raise a thousand dollars." Yeah. Um, and you know what? At the end of the day, it was great. We raised one thousand three hundred and five dollars. For Family Promise, our members totally kicked butt. A big shout-out to uh, two people, Mike Boltrish, who actually walked, I think, something like 40 miles because he was injured. Wow. You know, Good for him. walked that much. And then to Boston Rob, who ran 75 miles. Why? Literally, why? <laughs> and upped his game to raise, to donate $2 per mile. They got his company to a company match. Yeah. Uh, with it. And then with our donation, it came out to, again, $1,305. Which one one hundred percent proceeds will go to COVID relief, you know, with this organization. Which I was super excited about. Um, it was nice, it was point to point, which I liked it. It didn't drag on because you see some of these fundraisers that drag on. So that was really exciting. I'm with that. And then another quick hit, uh, we did in honor of the NFL draft this year, we started virtual challenges. So we said, Hey, we're gonna do the NFL five K virtual race. It's a free race, there's no metal shirt or any of that stuff. And we just challenged everyone in our tribe and our friends and family to go run, walk, crawl, dance, whatever you need to do to do a 5K distance, which is 3.1 miles. Send it to us, post it, uh, tag us, or send us a picture or a video. Have fun with it. Wear your favorite NFL gear. 
And we had some interesting um, situations with that. You know, we had uh, one person, uh, Fastef, who wore a Philly shirt because that's her favorite team. And then I think it was Trudy in South Carolina proclaimed she's not an NFL gal. Wow. She wore her Gamecock shirt. Hey, it was all good. It was a lot of fun. We had a lot of participation uh, for the week. And we're going to be doing virtual challenges for... Uh, every week going forward, um, so it's been it's been a, it's been a crazy busy week. Yeah, no, I mean I think it it turned out really well, and I think it's something that just kind of keeps people engaged from week to week. I think you know a lot of businesses right now are experiencing that of just even if you can't necessarily make money during this time, keeping those customers engaged so that way when things do get back to normal, they're you know kind of ready to go. So I think this is the perfect thing, and it's been exciting for me to have all my friends participate just because. One, they've all always been like, well, I could never run. And now all these people that said they could never run are being forced to run because they can't go to the gym. But it's always just nice to, you know, have that common thing that connects you and everyone's so far away. Yeah, it's been good. We've been doing a lot of uh, connections in the last five weeks, pushing uh, that relationship and, and such like that. And I think we're, we're seeing responses from it. We do a virtual happy hour every Wednesday from five to eight. Yeah. People jump on that people like. It's We have topics, so it's... Um, we try to avoid the whole Corona COVID thing, mm-hmm. you know, only because it's, that's what everyone talks about. This is meant to be more of escape funny kind of, yeah. you know, time. But anyway, so we're going to transition into the Cassie story. <laughs> and I really wish, I can't wait till we can afford sound effects. All right. And then we so, can go to something. <laughs> you want to make a donation to help the sound effects? And you're not going to have me going, dun, 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 dun. You know, you can email me at kevin at com, and we can discuss that. All right. Um, but I thought this was fascinating, not just because you're my daughter, because you have a pretty cool story, you know, so we're going to kind of, as you would say, deep dive <laughs> as compared to a shallow swim. All right. Into your, so much to uncover. <laughs> into, into your story, all right. Um, I feel like this is keeping up with the Cassie. All right. Okay. So, and I actually have questions, so it's going to be like a really cool like interview. All right. Crazy. I would say like Ellen, but she's on the naughty list. All right. So we're not talking about that. True. All right. So Cass, talk to um, our viewers, our listeners. You know, about your high school experience, um, go. Yeah, so I live here in Box County, Pennsylvania. This is where I grew up. Um, and, you know, our schools, I would say, are, you know, pretty typical suburban schools, whatever. Oh, pretty typical suburban schools with a model. You get No, but whatever. So, yeah, I mean, throughout high school, I, and even, you know, through middle school, I was always someone that had a lot of friends, but I didn't have a lot of good friends. So, you know, I would always jump from group to group or I could be in a class with someone and always felt comfortable, like, okay, at least know a few people, but I never, you know, was in a group chat with those people or never felt, you know, really comfortable to kind of say, hey, like, can I be a part of this? Um, Which I think, you know, at the time has its positives and negatives. You know, I think there are certain things that I missed out on. You know, I didn't, I went to prom, but like I said, I didn't have a date or football games. I wouldn't go to some football games because I didn't have anybody to go with because, again, you know, those group chats are talking all day long. And if you're not in the group chat, for me personally, I always felt uncomfortable being like, hey, do you mind if I go? And again, that was a me problem where it was that no one was leaving me out intentionally. It was just, I was just too nervous to ask. Um, Let me ask you this. So you were a very big dancer in high school. Yeah. You know, you kind of chose that over like sports and some other extracurricular type activities in high school. Do you think that that was a trade-off to where you were saying, like, you weren't in group chats and you weren't? Because, yes, you were at school from 7.30 to 2.30, then you were at dance from 3 to 8, and it seemed like you had a subculture of friends 
at the dance studio that you did more with than say the high school and was that you think that kind of played a part because you weren't involved in those extracurricular activities yeah definitely I mean I think it was twofold I think one I had a group of friends at dance so I was always okay because I knew that say like we had dance every Sunday like I would see them on Sunday or throughout the week I was at dance but I was also hanging out with my friends um but then also to that point that was a lot of my life I was I would go to school and then I would work a few hours after school and then I would go to dance and then I would come home and do homework and go to bed and that was Monday through Friday and then Saturday we would have dance and then or maybe a dance competition um if it was the summer I was working nine to five so I think I also in comparison to my friends I worked and I always had or I danced like I was always doing something where I think a lot of the girls and guys that I was friends with they didn't have to do that so they could go to the shore the whole summer or they could go to a concert and I just didn't either a I was too afraid to ask or b I didn't have the opportunity to do those things because I was working or dancing but like I said I had friends in those places or I felt you know I had a leadership role or whatever it was in those places so I was disappointed for maybe a day but then again I was I was never like by myself you know because I always viewed it from the house my side was during our school year you had your dance friends a couple groups you would hang out with mm-hmm. but you always leaned toward oh I have a competition oh yeah I, oh I'd be like why are you in the football game and you're like ah, it's cold all right <laughs> fair I'm gonna do this um and then in the summer, yes, you worked, but then it seemed like you had, like, I called them the camp kids you grew up with. Yeah. You had that group, and that's a whole different podcast, but you had, like, Kelly Malcolm. You guys kind of grew up at camp and summertime together, and I always thought it was weird that you guys never saw each other throughout the school year, but as soon as school came, you guys were friends. And Definitely. Then when you got in high school, when you worked, then you could go out, and so you had this group of friends from camp that you went out with. But then the school year came, and it was back to dance. So just in reflection, it was kind of like you had these, like, I don't call it like segments. Yeah, no, it. That you kind of like were always with, and as soon as you got kind of, for lack of better term, bored, bored tired, yeah. Summer was over. It's like okay, now I can try to transition to these people. Yeah, which I think in turn played into that just having a bunch of different friends because I had different aspects of my life, mm-hmm. and so and for the most part, it honestly wasn't until after call after high school that my high school and college friends cross paths because like a lot of them went to Penn State together and same thing with um camp again at Penn State like a lot of people met and so it wasn't until after that that all these worlds were colliding so yeah I do think that was part of it was I just kind of had these separate worlds and I was okay with that and you know I've also accredited a lot of it to our family being very close and always having family stuff to do anytime there wasn't something dance related it was a birthday or you know something a holiday or whatever so yeah I mean and I think that ultimately, like, shifting between all these friends and, you know, prioritizing this and that, I think just made me more appreciative when I then later on, like, found good friends. And whether or not it's still a giant group, right. it just, like, when I would find a really good friend, I think I would, you know, develop those relationships more because... I already had a lot of friends, but I wanted to find, like, a few solid good friends, if that makes any sense. It does. So let's transition. It's sophomore year. You're turning 16. Mm-hmm. Um, your sister had this big, sweet 16 party, and you, at some point, said, I don't want that, which I think 23-year-old Cassie would say, oh, I should have had that. All right. Well, you, you say you didn't want that, so you came up. You wanted to go to the um, 
the NSLC, yeah. um, leadership, leadership <laughs> conference. And I remember when you first came up to it, I was like, oh, gosh, you got one of those letters in the mail. I yeah. Like that every, True. Every high school student gets, like, you've been selected. Um, and you, you played it well. I will say this. Like, well, Katie got a party. You have such a good memory. I don't I remember don't any party, of this. But I want to go to San Francisco, Stanford's. Stanford University. No, Berkeley. Berkeley, excuse me. <laughs> Berkeley, California, by myself for a week. And I'm thinking you're never coming back because we're going to be sending you, they're going to sell you off into like. Oh my God, that's so dramatic. Child slavery. So, okay, so I want to transition because I think this whole experience really helped me mold you who you are. A thousand percent. Because there's three parts to it. So, go ahead and give us a very brief, if you want, why you wanted to do it and then your experience and how that it led to other. To other yeah. Things. I mean, the Sweet 16 is literally a summary of all, all those things I just said about having friends was that I was so afraid of who I was going to invite and not having enough people to invite or having too many people to invite. And so because of that, I was like, you know what, I'm not going to have a party. And yeah, I mean, everyone gets them. They make it seem like, oh, you got selected, but literally anybody can go to the NSLC. Um, and yeah, it was about the same cost. So it was about $2,000. And I had never been on an airplane at that point, had never traveled anywhere by myself, uh, we hadn't really done like a big vacation, you know, in years. And so I got this and I just thought, you know what, this is such a unique opportunity. Go to California. And I ended up doing a mastering leadership program. They have, you know, programs in business and science and medicine and all these different things. But I think that was just the most generic one. And I knew I wanted to be a leader. So it was right. like, you know, why not? And so, yeah, I went there and I mean, you know, it has changed my life. I think it changed my life when I was in high school and then going back to work for them, which I know we'll cover later. But that those experiences changed my life. I mean, it's crazy because people that I went to that program with, I ended up working with five, six years later, which is kind of crazy. Um, so, yeah, I mean... I could answer a million questions about the organization, but... One answer question to all the parents that are listening out there. Yeah. Would you recommend if their child came, their teen said, I want to go to this program, would you recommend it? Yes or no? Yeah, 1,000%. Okay. Um, So you go, you're in high school, you're in California, you're doing your thing, and I would love to do a deep dive into, like, what it was like to be six-year-old Cassie. You know, (laughs) all the emotions and everything. Yeah. You know, going on that. Okay, so... You, you go through this program, you come out, you're a stronger leader, you're ready to do you, um, you're in junior year now, you know, it's a year to go to college, and you come up with these ideas, I want to go away. Now, granted, your brother, your two brothers and sister all went to Bucks County Community College for two years and mm-hmm. local schools. So what was in your mindset of like, okay, I got to get the hell out of Jamison? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a few things. One was that I had just gone away that summer before, so I knew that was only a week, but I knew that I could do it. You know, I knew I wasn't afraid to, you know, kind of leave home base. Two was that I figured I always would make my way back to Pennsylvania, to the Northeast, whatever. And so I said, you know, why not leave for four years, experience something new, and then eventually I'll come back. And then, you know, the last step was that, I knew that the safe route for me would be go to Bucks for two years and then go to Temple. Temple was a great business school, which is another reason why I loved USC. Um, and, you know, live at home and then go there. And I knew that I would enjoy myself. Um, but, you know, my sister Katie did the same thing. And I knew that I would fall into a similar a similar experience that she had. And, you know, when you live your whole life next to your sister and you guys dance together and, 
you know, little sisters are always going to compare themselves to their big sisters. I think it's just, I didn't want to just follow in her footsteps. I knew I would be the same major as her. I knew I would join the same sorority as her. I would probably hang out with her. And again, nothing wrong with those things, but I think just in wanting to find my independence and find out, you know, who I was, it was, I just didn't want to live that same life that she had lived. Um, which, you know, I can imagine a lot of sisters or siblings can experience, you know, kind of the same thing of that's just a comfortable situation that you would have been in and one you would have enjoyed, but you don't know that it would have been your own experience. You might have just been living a, an experience that you watch from afar. All right. So we go on this whirlwind tour and we go to um, Clemson. We were just talking about today. We were at the, we were at the Clemson. Then we went oh, yeah. to boo, Clemson. Uh, boo. Then we were at... Um, Michael Jordan's college, and then we went to the Wolfpack, and then we went to UVA with her secret societies. Yeah, right. the whole tour. And then we were at the JMU with the dude. <laughs> Nonsense. Shout out Daisy Van Ness. All right. Um, so you decide you want to go to USC, even you applied to different schools. We won't mention to the one that you applied to. That <laughs> you, um, you, you, it, but you got in USC, but there's a caveat. What was that caveat? Yeah, so basically I was waitlisted for the fall and then guaranteed guaranteed entry into the spring or that next fall. Um, and so I had chosen to, I took my fall semester off of college. I worked full time at the YMCA preschool, a, a life of itself over there. Um, and then I ultimately ended up going to college at second semester. And then I spent the next three and a half years at USC. So, all right, you, you decide you, you work at the preschool. You realize you don't want to wipe asses and, like, deal with snot and, and whatever. Um, so you're going to go to USC in, 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 in the spring. Yeah. All right, that January. You pack up. You're ready to go. All right, you're all game cocked up. You're like, let's do this. You have the sombrero on. <laughs> south of the border, you're sending me pictures because I had to work. Yeah. Um, you forget your passport. I had to. Oh God, I forgot school. about that. It's got wow. all this drama going on. Me? All right, mom and Katie leave with Grampy, and you're you are living the dream. You've been waiting for this. You sacrificed three months out of your life just so you could go to the University of South Carolina, and what happens? What happened? You were miserable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what happened? <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought I was like, oh, was there like a tornado or something? <laughs> yeah, it definitely wasn't all it was chalked up to be. And I mean, I think anyone that has ever been a college freshman, especially away from your house, has experienced this where you hype it up so much and you're like, this is the greatest school ever. And I worked for a semester and blah, blah, blah. And it just wasn't that. And I mean, I think part of it was that I didn't like my roommate, and so, you know, step one, when you don't feel comfortable in the space you live, granted, upon reflection, I definitely wasn't the best of roommates either, but whatever, um, and, yeah, I mean, like, I wasn't in a sorority at the time, like, my classes, like, there just wasn't really opportunities to meet people, fortunately, I was gonna room with one girl that we didn't get placed together, but we had still... Uh, connected in person probably like my first or second day on campus and she ended up being um like still to this day like one of my closest friends and she introduced me to like a lot of people introduced me to my current roommate in new york um and i accredit this to her all the time that i don't know like had i not met her if i would have still been at usc big shout out to katie yeah, and I, th I think about it now, and, you know, people have called me crazy for even thinking about this, but had, you know, everything, that this quarantine and whatever happened when I was at USC right now, I don't know that I would have gone back, which, you know, would have 
change my whole future. So I don't know, definitely just interesting um, to think about. Um, and yeah, so. So you survived that first semester. Yeah. You come home, you go back, it's football season, uh, but you have to go back extremely early. Why'd you have to go back to Trinidad and USA? For good old sorority recruitment, um, and anyone that has lived through a Southern sorority recruitment, it's tough. Um, USC, fortunately, isn't one of the tougher schools, and honestly, if I was at Alabama or Georgia or something, I don't know that I would have made it through. It was terrible. Uh, Just a lot of things, I think. You know, you're constantly comparing yourself to other people, and you think a conversation's great, and then you don't get asked back, and it's all based off. Can I just say, I think, and I was in a fraternity where they actually, I thought it was the cruelest. Oh, definitely. You, you have to sell yourself to be sorority, oh. and they and they, they don't take you. It's very much to me, mean girls. Oh, on steroids. Well, and I was like. Damn, well, that's gotta be that's gotta be rough. And what's worse is once you're on the other side of it, and you realize, like, I mean, we would sit there, and not every girl, like some sororities do, every girl, but mine didn't. And you would their picture would come up on the PowerPoint, and you would sometimes have to like debate certain girls if you wanted them to be in or not, or if people wrote negative comments, but they say we're like a legacy or something. Like you then had to like have this whole chapter discussion about it. And I mean, again, there's other sororities where like they. Like every, you have to go through every house in that first day, but some of them, before you walked in there, like you were already cut. Like it didn't even matter. And again, those are things that you don't know. At least I didn't know going through it. And so you're like, oh, I had this great conversation. Full well knowing this is like a Southern sorority that you never were going to have a chance in. So, you know, once you're kind of on the other side of it, then you realize how much honestly worse the process like actually is. So you join a sorority, you get into your sorority. Um, and just briefly talk about that because we could spend the whole yeah series on the USC and, and everything else. Because um, I look at certain things in your life and the sorority is one of the things that really – your friends in the sorority, not so much the sorority – you know, molded you or the friends that, that you, you made. So maybe just give us a brief overview of your sorority and, oh, and how that tied into your leadership. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with all of that, I think. So, yeah, I joined as a sophomore and then I joined our executive board, which I think, again, really sh- – shifted me there you know my role specifically I was in charge of our sorority house and again a lot of drama but it kind of forced me to stand up but then also just feel a lot of pride for an organization or just for something I think that's probably the first time in my life maybe besides dance that I had really felt that um but then yeah I found really great friends you know some of them live in New York now you know all nine of us got tattoos together so it's just been a it's a strong group of women and it's I think that's just been the most interesting thing is watching the people that are, you know, older than me, younger than me, but everyone is just always, it's just like a supportive group. Um, And I think, you know, you, I met a lot of people from different, you know, states, cities, whatever, a lot of different backgrounds and just kind of seeing how people, you know, interact or just adapt to different situations. Like it's just been, you know, I don't know a lot, like I've had, I, I guess circle us back. Had I gone to Temple, I don't know that I would now be friends with someone that lives in Georgia and Massachusetts and South Carolina and Florida, like Ohio, all of these places. Um, And, you know, whether or not we all grew up relatively affluent and, you know, all have somewhat privileged lives, those are all still different backgrounds and experiences. And that, I think, has just been the most impactful part to me about USC and the sorority is just meeting different people that never in my life would I 
have encountered and just the different, you know, life views and ways of thinking that they've challenged me that has powerful statement it wasn't like oh they're my girlies <laughs> right, they're my bitches. well they are but a group of powerful women mm-hmm. all right and anybody listening out there that's a statement coming from a 23 year old and now that's just because that's my daughter i'm just you don't hear that you just hear you know my boys be talking like the guys and stuff but to say powerful women and i've met them and they and they are you yeah. know even with the issues <laughs> <laughs> they are so you know I want to just fast forward. So but going back to the leadership. So, you know, you're here, you're in the executive board, then you have an opportunity with the, um, the NSLC to come back. Yeah. So now we're going to year two of this program, but it was a different role. Yeah. So talk about that quickly. Yeah. So I went, um, I was out for my junior year of college and I went to work at Fordham University for the NSLC. So I was a team advisor. So basically like what the people had been to me when I was a student and you basically spend all your time with a group of students um and you mentor them and you lead like I was in the business entrepreneurship program so I was teaching them business um leadership skills you know resume skills whatever it was um and you were how old at this time 20 20 so you started at 16 yeah and now four years later you're back yes an advisor capacity yes at Fordham University and this is the first job you had outside of working YMCA camp for your father. Yes. It was probably the best boss you ever had. <laughs> the best. Okay. I just wanted to clarify. So as a 20-year-old, you're in Fordham University doing this. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's 19, 20-hour days, you know, working with high school students. It, it, Yeah, so that, I mean, that just, again, I was meeting, you know, new people. I was living on my own. I was, you know learning and especially with the NSLC you just learn leadership skills but you also just talk to people and have very I would say like intentional conversations and you ask people like the root of you know their life and just very personal questions so the relationships that you're building aren't just surface levels they're you know you really get to know people which you know, I think is something that I've tried to take with me in my real life is just not having these superficial conversations, but really understanding, you know, the why behind people. So you go through this experience at Fordham, you know, and, you, and you're going back to USC, but then you had an opportunity to do a third year. Yeah. So then my summer post college, obviously, you know, like everybody else, you're looking for a job. And so that October, I got asked to be the program director. So that's a step above what I was, the team advisor um, for the entertainment management program which I always wanted to be entertainment um and that was out at UCLA and so basically I would work part-time throughout the year and then come June I would move out to LA for how long for a month uh or like a month and a half and so obviously at that point it was okay if I take this I won't be able to look for a full-time job until August and is that something that I'm willing to do if I got my dream job what am I going to do Obviously, I didn't get the dream job. So, well, I didn't even have a dream job at the time. But, so anyway, so then I did that. And, I mean, this was great for me because, honestly, as much as I've always enjoyed working with kids, I've done it my whole life. I I wanted to be a teacher my whole life, right? And then probably once I started working at the Y, I realized... Mm, no thank you (laughs) no thank you friend and so this is the same thing it was great working with the students but the second that I could be in a higher position adios um and so that was great I mean I hired my own staff so I hired five people beneath me I still am good friends with them um you know I was able to kind of take on even more within the role just kind of helping the more of the admin staff and our site director and again good friends with them 
Um, and yeah, I mean, to anyone, you know, being a boss is a lot. Being a boss at 21 is a lot, especially to people that you're friends with and, you know, trying to navigate that. But again, an experience, experience that changed me, but I think for the positive and the negative, again, great. But I think it perpetuated me into being like, oh, I want to be a manager now and I want to be this boss now. And to some extent, I obviously had to take a step back and realize, okay, at 21 years old, my first job out of college, I'm not going to be sitting here managing people. But I think it's also what's made me really driven because I know that I have those skills and I know that I'm honestly a much better leader and manager than a lot of the people that have managed me. And so... (laughs) Ouch. Okay, uh, moving on. (laughs) All right, so you graduate... Uh, USC, you moved to South Carolina, you spent a New York summer, then you spent a uh, six weeks or so um, in California. But you, before you had said, like, you always knew you'd come back. Mm-hmm. But you didn't. All right, you came, literally came back and left within like two weeks? Yeah. Three weeks. So, but why, I guess, and I, why New York? You know, in particular, and I know because your mom worked here, but it was interesting because I was like, why the hell does this kid want to move to New York City? But then I found out not this was reason you, not only you, yeah. but apparently everyone you knew, yeah, a lot of people, awesome, were a lot of people, and you guys didn't know this was happening, were actually going to New York. And I was like, what the hell is this thing about New York City? So what? why the New York life? Yeah, I mean, again, I think it's two main things. One was that I wanted to be in entertainment, especially after leaving that summer. You are dramatic. Yes, and I I always loved, you know, pop culture and TV and movies and all these things, but I didn't really know, like, what a job in entertainment was. Working that summer at UCLA, I kind of figured it out, and I said, okay, I have to be in New York or L.A. wasn't ready to move to L.A., so I said, okay, I'll be in New York. Um, And then I think the second fold of it was just, you know, and I didn't obviously realize this until after, but a lot of my friends from high school and even from college had always said, you know, everyone always says, move to New York right after college, spend a few years there with all your friends, and then, like, kind of move out after that. And I think that was it. Like, I know that I'm not going to be in New York forever, and people spend their whole lives trying to get to New York, so if I could kind of do it now and live, you know, in a unique experience, you know, why not do it now and you know, I've been really fortunate and, you know, I I found a job relatively right away and my friend Leah was moving there and we lived together and I've had friends from high school that are there. So again, honestly, besides the fact that I wanted to be in entertainment and I thought I have to be in New York or LA, I think that was really the only reason. And, And I specifically remember like I didn't have a job yet and Katie my sister and I were visiting my mom one weekend because she was working and we did a bottomless brunch and we were drunk and we're sitting at this is getting good. and we're sitting at Battery Park right by um yeah. my apartment now at my mom's hotel and I remember just like sitting there with Katie and I was like Katie like I'm gonna move here like I'm gonna live downtown which I now live downtown and I was like I'm gonna sit on this water and like this is like where I need to be and then a month later I got the job and then like two months later I moved there but drunk Revelations. Bottomless brunch, I'll do it to you. Um, so to, to wrap this up, and uh, anyone who wants to find out more can contact us. All right. Go to my Instagram, Cassie Crail. Cassie Crail. <laughs> All right. Um, you know, you've been independent your whole life, but you really saw it as you started to get, you know, get older in high school, and you know, you look back at reflections. But so, what what advice would you give teenage girls right now? Um, short snippets, maybe like. Go for it. Like, what would you encourage them to do? Because now, I mean, you live downtown Manhattan on yeah. Wall freaking Street. 
you know, with, you have a bar in your. your <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, I never small, go to. I don't want to give the wrong impression. You're living in the penthouse, but yeah, you know, you're living a pretty good. But you've earned it. You, no one gave it to you. But you sure are not paying for it. You mm-hmm. know, but so what advice would you give a 15 year old Cassie? at CB South or like other girls that are, you know, listening, yeah. you know, I mean, a few things. One I would say is, you know, speak up. I think if I could go back to high school, I would just speak up and ask, ask for more, ask to be a part of more, um, you know, just use my voice for, you know, the better. I think too is not caring something that I think I've always kind of succeeded well in life is not really caring what people think about me um and I know it's hard to do and I don't know if that just comes from my parents or whatever it is being the youngest kid again I'm not really sure but just the less you care the better the more it's going to help you succeed in life um I think three is just feeling confident in who you are and I think that comes from self-awareness it's something that I really pride myself on is being pretty self-aware and, you know, understanding the things that make me annoying. <laughs> um, but also, you know, recognizing my areas of weakness and where I can kind of grow and, you know, be strong. And I think it's, I love drama and gossip just as much as the next person, but the mu- I'll talk about it all day long, but I don't want to be a part of it. And the more that you can separate yourself from all of that cattiness, mm-hmm the better and just enjoy the life that you have because you only have one and like I said this is going to sound more but like I said to my dad yesterday I'm not afraid of if I was to leave the earth right now I'd be fine with it because I've lived a solid life so far and so just enjoy the life that you have and enjoy you know each memory and day as it comes and just smile just just smile. <laughs> Just smile, everybody. Shush. All right, so that's going to conclude our journey with Cassie for uh, this podcast. Um, we want to invite everyone to tune in to next week, where one of the questions we will ask Cassie, because we didn't have time to explore this today, is why in the hell did you sign up for the Marine Corps Marathon? And what has gotten you into the running bug? Because I'm interested to hear it. Um, you can see us at www.corralsrunning.com. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram. If you need virtual training, hit us up. Uh, We thank you for listening. Have a great week.